All right, so we are in part two of our series, Heaven, uh, Who Goes There? And uh, it, it's, it, it's interesting, the engagement uh, in this question. So um, I was looking at, uh, at the views that we had online last week, and uh, thanks for joining in with us over in COZAD and online if you're, if you're watching online. Uh, and I'm telling you what, it's, it's just interesting. You talk about heaven... Or you talk about sex, and I mean the engagement just is like, whoa, we want to know about heaven and we want to know about sex. I don't, I don't, those two, I don't know that they're all that related, but for whatever reason, people engage when you talk about those uh, two subjects. And, uh, and so I got to let you know right up front um, that uh, <clears throat> the only context that we have for something being good is knowing what something is not as good, something that's bad. Like when you experience something bad, you have context then for something that's really good. And, and the only way that you have context for something that's really, really good is when you have context of, or maybe even experience something that is really, really bad, right? And, uh, and, and so today, uh, on the front end of this me- message, uh, I just I want, I, want, I want to give you a heads up. I'm going to kind of get into your grill a little bit, and uh, and I am going to step on your toes, and I'm probably going to make some of you mad. And uh, and and so because you need to understand the depth of how bad it really is, because without understanding that, you're not going to understand how good the good news really. Is, and, and I feel like a parent that loves you enough to tell you something you don't necessarily want to hear, but you need to hear, knowing all the well and risking, risking the fact that there's, an op, there's, a, there's a possibility you may actually walk away and not have anything to do with me or the crossing ever again, or you may walk away and say, I hate that guy. So, um, in the same way that you walked away from your parents a few times, say, I hate you, um, <clears throat> I'm going to risk it because I love you. And so, this whole series is like one really long message that we've broken up into three parts and it builds on one another. So, if you uh, missed last week, then I would encourage you uh, to get on our YouTube channel and, and, uh, and catch up with last week. I don't know what's going on with the voice, but woo, in Kozad, it was bad. They finally rescued me with some water. Um, so it, this uh, message builds on last week, and, uh, and so as we go through this uh, together, you can catch up there. But I'm going to give you a little bit of review so you're not completely in the dark. Um, most people in America believe that good people go to heaven. Most Americans believe there is a heaven. And most Americans believe they make the cut. In fact, there's a lot of Americans that would consider themselves Christians that are in this camp, that they would say, you know what, Uh, we believe there's a heaven, we believe good people go there, and I I think I'm probably hoping I'm I'm good enough. And they would say, "I, I haven't done anything really bad, I've never murdered anyone or anything like that, and so I just, in a general sense, think... You know what? 
uh, I, 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 I'm in. And here's what's interesting, and, and I think maybe plays into this, maybe especially in America. I don't know uh, if this is worldwide. It could be. But certainly in America, uh, some of this translates because of the way that we um, have our economic system, which, by the way, I love. I, I would not want to go uh, away from that. Um, but our entire uh, economic system and, and the way that we you know, view life is those that work hard and, and, and have goals and, and, and go after those goals can achieve those goals, which I think is extraordinary, right? I mean, it is an incentive uh, type of, of economic system. And so if you are willing to work really hard, if you are willing to sacrifice, if you are willing to, to, you know, to have a goal that's out there and you work towards it, you can achieve it. And so it makes sense that we would just, if that's the way that you know, our education system is set up, if, if that's the way that our social system is set up, if that's the way that our economic system is set up, it just makes total sense to us that that's the way that God works and that's the way the spiritual you know, uh, system is set up as well. And there's part of us that thinks that it, it's this way because, I mean, that's what's fair. Because if someone is not a good person, then it's, it doesn't seem fair that they would get to go to heaven, especially if, if I'm working really hard to achieve trying to get there, and if I'm working really hard and this other person doesn't even want to work very hard and they could care less, then it seems like it's fair that I would get to go and they don't. And we think it's, it's consistent with the notion of a good God. Right? I mean, I mean it, 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 why in the world would, would God not let a good person in, into heaven? I mean, we can't seem, it's like we can't wrap our mind. I mean, certainly a good God would look and want good people in his good heaven. But last week we also talked about the fact that good is a moving target. Like, we have no idea what good actually is, right? Even in America right now, do you think that we could come around a consensus of what is good? <laughs> like, no. Like, we would never get on the same page. You know, there would never be any universal code of, of this is good, this is really good, and this will get you to heaven, right? I mean, we, we, we don't even have that. You don't even have that in your own life in terms of, you know, what you used to think was good, and now you're like, ooh, that wasn't as good as I thought it was, and I was reminded of this with my wife. See, when I was growing up, um, we, didn't, we, didn't, we were not allowed to go to the movies. We didn't, get this, we didn't play cards we played Rook because Rook was Christian poker. So um, we didn't have cards and we didn't go to the movies. Now, my wife, she uh, was more in more of a progressive family and she watched some movies. And these movies that she watched that she thought was really good and hadn't seen in 30 years, and now that our children are adults, she was like, well, have you ever seen this movie and this movie and this movie? And they're like, no. So they go and watch the movie, and they're like, mom. 
what in the world? So Jen and I go back and watch these movies, and Jen's just like, I didn't remember that part. I didn't remember that part, right? So she thought it was good at the time, and now she's watching it going, that's not as good as I thought it was. See, it just, it, it, it changes. And, and universal, what we think is good, on the other side of the world, they're like, that's not good at all. And what they think is good on the other side of the world, we're just like, are you kidding me? Like, that's not good. See, good is a moving target. There, there is no universal list of what is good. And you're like, well, but Eric, 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 open the Bible. And if you're in the good people go to heaven camp, Trust me, the last thing you want to do is open the Bible because you're not going to like what you find in there. And you're like, well, what about, you know, the, the Ten Commandments? It's so interesting. It's like, well, the Ten Commandments, how many of those could you list? Don't commit adultery and don't murder. Anything else? No, I can't remember anything else. It's, you're basing your eternity off of uh, Ten Commandments you, you, and you don't even know what they are for sure. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I am, and I kind of started following him. But the, we find the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. You could read the book of Exodus. The only time, in fact, the entire Old Testament, the only time um, there's any mention of heaven, it, it refers to the sky. There is no theology around heaven or the afterlife found in the Old Testament. Everyone went to Sheol. Like, well, what's that? I don't know, but that's where everybody's going. Now, you open up the New Testament, and it's just full of eternal life. It's full of heaven. It's full of the afterlife. It, it's like we are citizens of heaven. I mean, over and over and over, you'll find all kinds. That's what it's all about. <laughs> but you open up the New Testament and start reading that, and what you'll find out is you don't make the cut. And I don't make the cut. In fact, you read... Matthew chapter 5, and you read Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus comes along and says, you have heard it said, and he pulls something from the, from the old Jewish law, and some of it is the, is, a, is the big 10, takes it from the 10 commandments, and he says, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, to which you're kind of like, you can't even follow that. But I say, and everyone walks, when Jesus was done after Matthew chapter 6, I guarantee you, everyone walked out and said, we're all doomed. No one's going to heaven. Like if, if, that's, if good people go to heaven, there's, there isn't anyone going. Because no, one no one's that good. Which is why the apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee and and thought, you know, talk about someone who thought he was doing really good by rounding up Christians and putting them in jail and, in fact, putting some of them to death, thinking the whole time he was doing something really righteous and really good, and then finds out he was actually working against the very God he thought he was serving. It says this. No one is righteous. In Romans chapter 3, verse 10, no one is righteous, not even one. And then a verse we probably all know, Romans 3, 23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There is a standard. We just all fall short 
of it. To which we ask, well, okay, so how good is good enough? God, how good is good enough? And, and wouldn't you think that if God was good, he would let us know how good is good enough? I mean, what kind of God teases us and, and, and not only moves the goalposts, but hides them? And doesn't actually give us a list or, or, you know, show us, hey, this is the universal list of how to be good enough to get to heaven. And, and it doesn't exist. We don't even have one. He, he never gave it to us. He never even gave us a year-by-year year 2023 download of here's the updated list of what is good. See, it, if, if that is how we get to heaven... And, and God did just move the goalposts all over the place and didn't let us know actually what the rules are that we're supposed to play by. And not only that, but just hid the goalposts altogether. Then God isn't good by our definition of what we would say good is. The other thing is kind of interesting is if good people go to heaven, Jesus is completely unnecessary. Like, he didn't, like, why, why did he die on the cross? He didn't need to. We just work our way there. I mean, it was completely unnecessary for him to come, completely unnecessary for him to lay down his life. So interesting. Jesus raised the standard of good enough so high, everybody fell short. And here's where we go with this. We tend to want to jump into uh, what Jesus would have said is religion. We, we, we want to jump into religion where, okay, so Eric, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not buying it. I, I think we can be good enough, and religion is all about doing. So on a Sunday morning for an hour, I get out of my, you know, fleshly through the week compartment, I get into my other compartment, I put on, you know what, we used to put on a suit or we put on a tie or we put on a dress to make us look like we had it all together and then we walk into this meeting place and we shake everybody's hand and everyone says, how you're doing? Oh, I'm doing so good and, and isn't God good? I mean, God's amazing and God is good and we sing the songs and, and it's phenomenal and, uh, and, and we have this religious experience and, uh, and it used to be, you know, the preacher would preach for an hour and y- you were just like, oh my gosh, this is painful. Uh, but God... You know, give me a check because I was here, right? Present, checked present. I was here. I don't have any idea what he said, but I was present. And so then when the religious experience is over, you get out of that compartment and you leave that compartment alone for the rest of the week, and then you're able to live however you want to live, drink whatever you want to drink, smoke whatever you want to smoke, treat anybody the anyhow you want to treat them. And it doesn't really matter because next week you're going to get out of that compartment and get back in this compartment and you and God are going to be good. And Jesus came along and said, no, it doesn't work that way. 
Jesus completely rejected the idea that you could be in good standing with God while at the same time mistreating people that God loves. You you can't be in good standing with God and mistreat people that God loves. And it's kind of like, I think the best way to understand it is, is think about someone who mistreats one of your children or one of your grandchildren. If someone came along and harmed my Zayla and then said, but Eric, you and I are good, right? No, you wouldn't be good. We're not good. You mistreat one of my kids or you mistreat one of my grandkids, you and I aren't going to be good. So why is it that we think we can mistreat one, a person that God loves and, and somehow or another, God and I are still good? See, so here's the question. Have you ever mistreated another person? Have you ever lied to someone and told them the truth? You ever deceived someone? You ever said you would do something to someone and you kind of made a promise, but then you didn't do it? You ever just lose your temper and just vomit anger all over someone? Like, Eric, this isn't fair. I don't like this. This is Jesus' definition of sin. And all of us, me, probably the biggest, are guilty. This dooms everyone. We're all guilty. See, when you sin against someone God loves, you sin against God. So, I ask you again, have you ever mistreated another person? I don't know if you've ever thought about this and thought about it in, in, in this lens. Your heavenly Father loves you and loves all of you in Cozad, loves all of you watching online right now. Your Heavenly Father loves you so much that He does not want to see you mistreated. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He doesn't want to see you mistreated. And so He calls anyone who does mistreat you a sinner who isn't right with Him. And see, we see that, right? When someone mistreats us, whoever that is, we would say, you know what? There's no way in the world they could be right with God. In fact, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Bible person, and one of the biggest reasons I would, I would imagine that you're not is, is that hypocrisy that you see just drives you away from it, right? Someone who mistreats someone else, but then they say they're a Christian and you're just like, uh, I, don't, I don't see it. 
So when someone else mistreats us, we're like, absolutely, they're a sinner and they're not right with God. But we, we don't take the mirror and turn it around and reflect it on us. Because the opposite of this is true as well. Your heavenly Father loves the person that you are mistreating so much that he calls you a sinner when you mistreat them who isn't right with him. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, he's like, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Many sins is not, you know, I didn't follow the Ten Commandments right, you know, right, perfectly. No, it's mistreating someone else. It has nothing to do with religion. Once you were dead, you were, you were, there was part of your soul that was dying. In fact, some of you remember what this was like. Some of you, you know, I guarantee, are in the middle of this right now. You would say, inside, I'm just dead. I'm dead because, you know what, the relationships around me are, are just are, 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 are broken and, and, and chaotic and, and I don't treat people very well and there's a part of me on the inside that's just dying and my soul is dying. In fact, you feel like there's no way in the world you could ever make it to heaven because you could never make up for all of the bad things. And and since you are in that much pain, you begin to medicate the pain with things that just cause more relational pain and pain to yourself. So dead? Yeah, I feel dead inside. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So the bad news is that we are all doomed. There is no good people that can be good enough to make it to heaven. So Eric, how good is good enough? How, how good is good enough? The answer to this is a little bit offensive, and the answer to this is what got Jesus crucified. The answer to the question, how good is good enough, is this. The only one. And that leaves you out, and that leaves me out. Were you as good as Jesus? <laughs> no. Nope. No. This is why you don't need a do-over. This is why you don't need just a second chance. This is why you don't need to just try harder. You need a Savior. Online, those of you in Cozad, you need a Savior. You need someone to rescue you out of your sin and from your sin. This is why, this is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we beg you on behalf of Christ. In other words, 
Jesus is making his appeal to us, to, to, to every single one of you, through us. He, he makes his appeal to other people through us, and he's just saying, I'm begging you on behalf of Christ. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Why? Because God made Christ, who never sinned, that's why he is the only one who is good enough to be the offering for sin. He's the only one that made the cut, that made the requirement that was good enough, and he was willing to be the sacrifice for our sin. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right, so that we could have righteousness, so that we could make the standard. Jesus came along and said, look, I'm going to make a deal with you. Here's the deal. Give me your sin. I'll pay for that because I'm the only one that's worthy enough to do it. I'm the only one that's been good enough to do it. I'll pay for that. I'll take your sin, okay? I'm, I'm going to make it a great exchange for you. I'm going to make the best, greatest news deal ever made in the history of the planet. I'm going to take your sin. You just give me your sin. I'll give you my righteousness. What do I got to do to work for it? Nothing. Why would you do that, Jesus? Just because I want to. Because I want to. No, I got to work for it. No, 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 that's not the deal. The deal is you give me your sin, I'll give you my righteousness. It's free. It's the greatest trade you'll ever make in your life. See, we are not made right with God through works. It's through Christ. Not by works of righteousness, lest any of us would what? We, what would we do if we felt like we could be good enough? We would boast. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We are made right by grace, through faith. And that not of ourselves, it's, it's a gift of God, lest any of us would be arrogant about it. It's nothing to do with me or you. See, good people don't go to heaven because in Jesus' view, there are no good people in comparison to him. Forgiven people go to heaven. And honestly, this is the entire point of Jesus' life on earth. That's why he came. So religion is all about do. Religion is all about I got I to gotta do, you know, I got to check boxes, I got to jump through hoops, I got to do enough right things, and if I do that, then I hope I'm going to be good enough and I can get in. And, and I guarantee you, if this is where you're at, you will spend every night laying in bed with the weight of sin and the weight of 
everything that you have done on you, and you will never, ever have peace because you will never, ever know whether you've been good enough. And you will be scared out of your mind. And you will have no peace about it. You will have all kinds of anxiety about it. And you will never know. Jesus is all about it's done. It's why he said when he hung on the cross after telling someone that was a criminal that he would see him right then because he was forgiven in paradise, it is finished. What was finished? One of the things that was finished was this perfect life was lived and it was sacrificed. One sacrifice for all time for all people. It is finished. So Jesus declared all of us sinners and then he just turned right around and died for the sin. So here's my question for you. What are you trusting in to get you to heaven? Cozad, all of you online, what are you trusting in right now to get you to heaven? If you're going to be brutally honest, what are you trusting in? You see, when you transfer your trust from you to Jesus, I lay in bed at night fully knowing the weight of the sin that I have committed with complete and utter peace because I know that the trade has been made for my sin and Jesus' righteousness. And he just took this great big hoodie of his righteousness and stuck it on me. And just said, you are clothed now in my righteousness. And now, my heavenly father, my father, when he sees you, Eric, he doesn't see you in all of your ugly sin. He sees his perfect and righteous son who meets the standard. You see... Until you understand how bad it really is, you will never understand how great the good news really is. And I understand as a pastor, one of the strangest things, I think, is the mystery of God. You could hear a message like this, in which we would call the gospel, and you may have heard it 10 times, you may have heard it 20 times, you may have heard it 100 times. And on the 101st time, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've never understood it. It's almost like I see it. It's like these scales have just come off of my eyes and now I understand it. I never understand it before and all of a sudden it's like so clear to me now. And maybe that's you in, in this room right now. Maybe that's you in Cozad. Maybe that's you online. So here's what I want to do. In no way do I ever want to manipulate you to make a decision for Jesus. I want to invite you to transfer your trust from yourself 
to Jesus. But here's how I would like to invite you to do that. For those of you that, you know what, you have transferred your trust and maybe you did it recently, maybe you did it 50 years ago. I want to invite all of us to pray this prayer together. And there's nothing magical about this prayer. But I want you, if this is your first time, I want you to be able to hear yourself say these words. So to make that more comfortable for you, I want all of us to read the prayer together. And and if this is the desire of your heart and you are truly crying out to God, then this is your salvation moment. So all of you in Kozad, all of you in the theaters, you just belt it out. One of you just be a leader and you just, you just come right out on out and say it out loud. Those of you online, hey, you're at Starbucks. I don't care. Just go ahead. You can say it out loud. All right? All of you in-house, you get the easy part. There's a lot of us in this house right now. So, would you say it together with me? Heavenly Father, I have mistreated people you love. I have sinned. I don't just need to do better. I need forgiveness. I need a Savior. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I'm no longer trusting in my goodness. I'm trusting in your mercy and grace. I accept Jesus' death as the once-for-all payment for my sin. Amen. If that's the desire of your heart and that's the first time you have ever prayed anything like that and meant it, those of you online, those of you in COZED, all of you in this house, would you be willing to be brave and just text, I'm in, to this number? You can take a picture of that, but would you text to this number, I'm in? And we would love to be able to have a conversation with you, talk with you about next steps. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news. It's hard to hear the bad news, but once we understand it and we accept it and we see it and we embrace it, the good news is just that much better. The fact that I could be declared righteous and I could stand before a holy God without a single fault just because Jesus said, look, I'll take your sin, I'll give you my righteousness. And it's free. Yes. I'll take that trade. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life, your perfect life. Thank you for making a way to heaven. And God, I pray that if there's someone that's struggling with it and they don't see it, I just pray that they they would just keep asking, they would just keep seeking, they would just keep knocking. God, I pray that you would make yourself real to them. Help us as a church to live this out every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.